I'm going to start our message today with actually a short testimony. Uh, you will probably recognize the person, and if not, it'll, you'll sort of twig it as we go through. Uh, it's about three minutes, so sit back and here's your testimony. Hey everybody, Stephen Baldwin here. Very excited to be talking to you today and sharing with you my own personal testimony about how I came to know Jesus. I was working in the movie business, uh, doing a television show called The Young Riders, living in Tucson, Arizona with my wife and my first daughter. And my wife is from Brazil, and she speaks Portuguese, and she decided to hire a gal to come work and live with us, help around the house, help with the kids, all of that good stuff. And uh, so she reached out to some of her relatives in Brazil who sent this gal over, 55-year-old, tall, kind of tough Brazilian lady. She didn't speak any English, only spoke Portuguese. So this gal's working for us, and the whole first week that she's working for us, she's singing in Portuguese as she's cleaning and very, very happy and expressive and having a good old time, but she's always singing a song that utilizes one word in every song. She's going, la, 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 Jesus. Da, 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 Jesus. Oh, it was kind of interesting to observe her and the fact that every song she sang was about Jesus. By the way, her name was Augusta. We noticed that she's singing every song about Jesus. So my wife and I kind of say, wow, that's kind of interesting. Finally, after a week of this, my wife kind of goes up to Augusta and she says, So, I noticed that you sing an awful lot about Jesus. And Augusta starts to laugh, like loud, like belly loud. And my wife is kind of like, you know, okay, what's up? I'm your boss. What's so funny? And uh, Augusta says, you know, Mrs. Baldwin, forgive me. I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I'm just a little charmed with the fact that you're asking me this question. She goes, I just think it's rather interesting that you think that I'm here to clean your house. And my wife said, okay, what do you mean? And Augusta went on to explain to my wife that in her church in Brazil, before she'd accepted the job to work with us, she had gone to her church and prayed with her pastor and a bunch of the people in the congregation, and it was prophesied in that church that she had to go take that job because the people that she would go to work for would eventually come to know the Lord and then go on to have their own ministry. Well, my wife then, in turn, came and told me that story. And I guess you guys can only imagine who started laughing then. You know, uh, I was Stephen Baldwin, working on a TV show, making movies, thought I was cool. And then I think probably seven years to the, to the day after that, we had moved back to New York, our kids were a little grown up, we had had a second daughter, and uh, my wife gave her life to Jesus Christ. And uh, a year after that, I followed. And uh, it's just, uh, it's awesome. Uh, yes, that's Stephen Baldwin, the, the brother of Alec Baldwin, who many will have also known. Uh, but Stephen's also fairly well known in his own right for different things. Uh, and actually has a fairly significant Christian ministry uh, over in the US. And certainly when that story took place, as he sort of alluded to, he had no interest in Christianity whatsoever. 
But I just love that line, and it seems like many of you did too. And she said, you think that I'm here to clean your house. Fascinating. Uh, we continue our series today looking at faith catalysts. Uh, how can we supercharge our faith? Uh, what are the aspects that only God can do and what are the aspects that we can actually do? What are the circumstances that we can put ourselves in or what are the relationships or the places? Uh, what's our role in making sure that our faith grows and becomes all that it can become? Uh, today we're looking at providential relationships. Uh, it's, those, it's those people who just kind of come into your life at just the right time. You see, when people share their faith story, uh, almost always there will be people involved. Like unless it's someone who was living in the desert and they kind of saw an angel in the sky and came to know Jesus. Generally speaking, when someone shares their story of coming to know Jesus, there will be people that play a starring role. Uh, Annie Stanley, who, who wrote the, some of the, the bits of the material that I'm taking from, uh, says this, your friends will determine the direction and the quality of your life. The people that you find yourself around, the places that you put yourself in, they will determine the quality and direction of your life. So I'd love you to just take a moment, if you're someone who follows Jesus, uh, or if you're not someone who follows Jesus but you're here today, there's probably a reason you're here today. Looking back, who are the people that you feel God providentially brought into your life at a crucial time. Now, this might not necessarily be when you first came to faith. It might be that during your life, something happened and at just the right moment, you had a friendship or you had a person who, who came along and you got to know them. And it, it just seemed to be that they came in at just the right time. Now, who are the people when you think about your life and faith who seemed providential? Uh, one of the ones for me uh, is that I was living in Albany, gone through my childhood, and I decided I need to get back to the church in, in Subiaco that I'd been at before. And so I, I moved back to the church, uh, started getting involved in the youth ministry, and within that year, two of the youth leaders, the youth pastor and the, the, the junior youth worker, uh, each independently asked me, have you thought about Bible college? And it was their words and it was their relationship that I had with them that really started me on the journey because I hadn't really thought about that. Like it was kind of like there as a, you know, but not something I'd seriously considered. But just because of that question, I started on a journey that led me to be where I am today. And if I hadn't been in that place, if I hadn't been in that environment, I may not have had that relationship. That question may not have been asked. And I wouldn't have potentially ended up where I am today. And that, it's a good thing that I'm here, by the way. So I, I think so. Anyway, you tell me later. I'm glad to be here, that's for sure. The flip side is this. Have you ever been someone's providential person? Maybe you've not been aware of it. Or maybe you have a bit of a hunch that maybe you were, but they've never come and told you. But actually, this is also a thing. You can be providential in someone else's life. And that part of our role as followers of Jesus is to recognize that we have these opportunities and to actually look out for, to intentionally look towards building relationships with people so that at just the right time we're able to speak into their life something that will go on to really shape their life and faith. 
So we're going to look at a couple of ways and places where this takes place uh, in the Bible itself. Uh, jump with me to Mark chapter 1, and we're going to look at verse 16 through 20. So that's Mark chapter 1, looking at 16 through 20. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come and follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called to them and said, uh, left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. This was a providential relationship for the early disciples. Jesus coming along and calling some of those early disciples to come and follow him. Absolutely providential. The, the world as it exists today would not exist if this circumstance hadn't taken place. But there's a little bit playing out here. Is we have to remember that one of the reasons why they chose to follow Jesus, part of the reason why it was a providential relationship and part of the understanding as to why they would drop their nets and go and follow this strange person who's walking along and saying, hey, come follow me. Here's a word to the wise. If someone comes up to you during the retreat and says, come follow me, probably don't go and do that unless you know them. It's not generally wise. There is a reason why they did this. And that's because Jesus came to them as a rabbi. They saw him, they knew him as a rabbi because of the way that he spoke, because of what he did. Uh, Ray Vanderland says this when he's talking about what's going on and uh, what it means to be a rabbi. Uh, at five years old, uh, one is fit for the scripture. At 10 years, the Mishnah, which is the oral Torah and interpretations. At 13, for the fulfilling of commandments. Get that, you actually get off scot-free for 13 years. Right. You, but for 13 years, you're actually okay. And then at 13, then you start to get in trouble for not following the Ten Commandments. Uh, anyway, in the side. At 15, for the Talmud, which is making rabbinic interpretations. Uh, at 18, the bride chamber. At 20, pursuing a, va a vocation. And at 30, for authority or able to teach others. And isn't it fascinating how old was Jesus when he first started to call his disciples? He was 30. He was following the mode and the understanding of what it meant to be a rabbi at the time. And so Jesus comes along and he calls these people and says, come, follow me. It's a providential relationship, but there's a key role that the disciples play. Because Jesus is probably not going to come to you as a rabbi and say, come, follow me. He calls us all to follow him. But one thing that we can learn from the disciples, what was their role? What was their role in this circumstance? Say yes to the right relationships. One of the ways that you can actually supercharge your faith, one of the ways that you can encourage providential relationships to actually happen and to exist in your life is to be intentionally looking to say yes to the right relationships. To say yes to being in those places where you know that there are people that are going to actually encourage your faith. To say yes to those places and those people that you know are going to help you on your journey. Uh, Proverbs 13.20 says it this way. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. See, the, the reality of a providential relationship is you don't necessarily choose when a person who is significant enters your life. 
Uh, in Stephen Baldwin's case, uh, they thought they were bringing someone over to clean their house. And that's all they thought they were doing. They had no idea about what was actually going to happen. But one of the ways that we can play a role in providential relationships happening is to intentionally say yes to being in places and environments uh, and relationships that have the opportunity to be providential. To actually make sure that we're involved in local communities of faith or to be involved in places within the community where, where that's actually likely to take place. Another example of a providential relationship is Acts chapter 9. I'm just going to read through for a few verses. And then we're going to skip down. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked them for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, that's what we call Christianity, uh, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. We're going to skip on down to verse 10. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard of the many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from his soul, Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. So in this story, Ananias is a providential relationship. Now, again, this is a bit of a special one. Uh, God doesn't always appear to you in your dreams or in visions and say, hey, go and see this person. But the reality is sometimes you are called to be the providential person. And it's not always going to be comfortable. Uh, the reality is in this circumstance here, uh, Ananias was well versed in what Saul was doing. If he found out you were a Christian, if you were a follower of the way, uh, he would have you arrested, he would have you beaten, he would have all kinds of bad things happen to you. And so Ananias' immediate reaction to this coming along is, uh, God, are you, are you sure? Like, are you really sure that Saul is... You mean, you, you, know, you mean like Paul, I don't know, he's going to become Paul, sorry. Uh, are you sure that that's what I'm meant to do? Sometimes you are going to be called to be a providential person to someone 
and there's going to be some risk involved. Maybe it involves you stepping out of your comfort zone and maybe talking with someone who currently doesn't know Jesus. But God is moving and stirring in them and he's actually set it up so that you are the person who's going to come along and, and ask that question appropriately and not badgeringly. And that God is going to use you to open up their life towards Jesus. So I think sometimes we have this idea that it's actually all going to be really easy and straightforward and it's just going to kind of go nicely. Uh, but actually sometimes to be the providential person involves risk. Involves taking a bit of a chance on God, not without some reason. So again, God has appeared to Ananias and said, hey, do this. Probably a good idea to follow that. Maybe you won't have quite the same certainty in your case. But I think sometimes you will be called to be a providential person and it will mean stepping out in faith and taking a risk in that area. So one of the questions that we kind of get uh, is, is there a balance between spending time with good company? Because remember before we talked about, you know, good company will create good things. Spend time with fools and you'll be distracted and taken away. Is there a balance between spending time with good company? And I couldn't work out a, a, a nice way to word this, so I just called it challenging company. Uh, the company that might not draw you towards Jesus necessarily. Isn't it, isn't it true? And so it says this in 1 Corinthians 15.33. Do not be misled. And then it's quoted. So actually a Greek poet is quoted here. Bad company corrupts good character. And so some would argue and some would say from 1 Corinthians, now we just need to stay away from all of those bad characters. We need to stay away from all of that, uh, people who might draw us in a different direction. But doesn't bad company need Jesus as well? Don't all people need the opportunity to hear from and to know who Jesus is? I think that's the case. But there is some wisdom about how we would go about that. So remember, one of our, this is kind of our main catchphrase over this series. The main foundation of faith is trust. And as your trust is building and your trust is growing and as your capacity and your relationship with God is becoming more solid, you will be more prepared to be in complicated, difficult circumstances. So if you're young in faith, maybe you're only a few years into following Jesus or maybe you're just exploring faith or you kind of recently returned to faith and you're just kind of working out what this all looks like, it's probably best initially to supercharge your faith around mature followers. To, to actually make sure that most of your time, that the majority of your time, is actually spent with those who are going to help to shape you and mould you and build your foundations and send your roots down into the ground. That, that maybe when you're brand new to faith, going into those places that have been the most testing for you uh, may not be the wisest circumstance. If you've got a group of friends and you've, you know, you used to go and get drunk all the time and they go and get drunk all the time and you've just come to faith, it may not be the best idea to go with them to the pub straight away. Not to say that that will never happen again. But there's probably some wisdom towards if you're going to actually be able to share Jesus with them, they need to know and see that there's a bit of a difference for you. And maybe you're growing in faith, you've been around for a bit longer, 
this is a this is another one of those examples. Just be particularly aware of your areas of weakness. As you're growing in faith, you might be able to go into some places that other Christians wouldn't and shouldn't go. But someone needs to be there. Because everybody needs an opportunity to know Jesus. And so there will be times and there will be places. Uh, There are people who work in brothel ministry. And it takes a special kind of someone to be able to be in that kind of environment and represent Jesus well and have compassion uh, and have, you know, stand for grace and truth. And not every Christian is going to be able to do that. But someone needs to. Someone needs to be the providential relationship that the people in that environment need to meet Jesus. Have an awareness of your own weaknesses. God is not going to call you into a place that is going to put you at risk. So there will be some risk of taking a step of faith, but it's not that you're going to be in places that are just going to completely tear you apart in your faith. It's a different kind of risk. Those of you who are mature in faith, be available for some difficult spaces. But here's the key. Always recharge. Always ensure that you have a place or a relationship or or something that you know you can go back to. Make sure that you're reading your Bible. Make sure that you're praying. Make sure that you've got some accountability of people in your life and your space. So that as you go into those difficult places, you can come out and be recharged and be built up and be ready again to go back and to potentially be a providential relationship. For someone in that place. The people in your life can make or break your faith. So that's whether you've got people in your life who are encouraging, who build you up, who share with you and, and help you to see and to know and to grow. And we all need a place that we get that from. If we're going to follow Jesus in the world that we live in, you need a place that builds you up and encourages you and helps you to know Jesus. That will hopefully make your faith. And if you haven't got that, if you kind of sort of fly by the seat of your pants or you kind of go solo, it's like, I'm okay, I don't need anyone else, I've just got Jesus, that's enough. That's not how we were made to be. And too often that ends with people breaking their faith. Equally, as we're thinking about God calls us to the least of these, God calls us to be out there with those uh, who may not know Jesus. Uh, And that might be everyday people, the people we work with, the people we play with. It might be our broader family. Uh, They're hopefully not too bad. I don't know your family necessarily. But it also might be some challenging spaces and some challenging environments. And so the people that we invite in those places, they might make our faith or they might break it. And so be aware and make sure that you've got a good balance in that area. A place to recharge and a place to give out. And know where you're at at the moment in your own life and faith as to what that looks like for you. So what can we do? Because remember I said a providential relationship is God-ordained. It's something that God kind of bestows. He calls people at the right time in the right place. We can't make God make a providential relationship. But there are things that we can do. 
They're not all out of the blue. So I said before that I went back to Subiaco when I, was a, when I was a kid and I wanted to come back to faith. I chose to put myself in that environment. I chose to get back involved in the life of the church. And then God used that choice of mine to bring the right people along to supercharge my faith. You can choose to put yourself in places where providential relationships are more likely. Uh, You can choose to surround yourself with people that will encourage you and spur you on towards love and good deeds. You can make it a priority to be in those places. Because if we don't do that, can God bring someone? Of course he can. And there are lots of stories where God just miraculously drops someone into people's lives. But if you want to actually take charge of your own faith to some degree, if you want to be a part of ensuring that it grows and is stabilised, put yourself in places where that's more likely to happen. Uh, Know where you are at in faith. Be aware of your season and choose wisely who you spend time with. If you're on a real high at the moment, great. You're probably open to do and go wherever you need to go. If you're facing some challenges at the moment, maybe you've got some doubts, maybe you've got some health issues, maybe you've got some other things that are going on, uh, you're probably going to want to make sure that you spend more time building yourself up and being involved in places that help encourage you and spur you on and recharge and reset and actually be prepared for a future season. Just because you may not be in a place right now to give out and do lots doesn't mean that that can't come again. But be aware of where you're at in faith. And anyone who's been a Christian for more than 0.5 seconds will tell you, you will have ups and downs in your faith. I love it when I sit down with someone who's like, you know, old, 80, 90 plus. I'm going to go really old so I don't offend anyone here. Uh, And you hear the stories of what they went through and the different seasons they had where they had really gusto for a time and then they had a bit of a a, a sit back because some things are going on and and then they had a bit of a gusto again. And it's actually really important to be aware of the life and the season and where you're at in in that place. To be able to know and perceive what you can give and what you can do in that time. And then finally, as I've said a couple of times, You might be called to be a providential relationship. That means it's actually important for you to invest in others. So where are you investing in ways that could actually mean that you become a providential relationship? Where are you giving of yourself more than just a fleeting high, but actually sowing in deeply into people's lives? in ways that mean that they might, not because you're seeking glory, not because you're seeking because you want to be the centre of attention, but just because you actually want to see them grow. Because I actually hope that every follower of Jesus would be a part of somebody else's faith story. That actually multiple people would name you when they share their testimony. That multiple people would say, I, I know Jesus because X entered my life and they said and they did and they helped and they supported and they guided and they stretched and they pushed and they encouraged and they fostered this in me. And that each of us would actually find our names being used 
because other people met Jesus or were encouraged by Jesus or took their next faith step in Jesus because of something that we did or said or were available to do. Because we offered ourselves and we invested in other people. It's part of what it means to follow Jesus. The main foundation of faith is trust. As you're growing in your trust, God will use you. He will open up avenues that you don't even see coming to invest in people's lives, to make a difference that they would find their faith supercharged. And that God wants to bring people into your life to build that trust, to to instill a deeper trust in Him. So put yourself in environments and open yourself up to relationships that could very well lead to providential relationships. Let's pray. Lord, I want to I thank you for everyone who's here today. We each have a story, whether we've come to know you or whether we're exploring you. I want to thank you for the people that we each have who have been a part of our testimony. I want to thank you for the role that they played in helping us either come to know you as our Lord and Saviour or be open to exploring whether there might be something more to who you are. I want to pray for each of us here today that we would be providential relationships for other people. I pray that you'd take each of us who call you our Lord and you would use us for your purposes, that you would put us into places, put us into environments, put us into relationships where we can help others come to know you. Lord, may we be like the cleaner that went to Stephen Baldwin's place and be able to say, you think that I'm here to X, Y, Z. But Lord, we're actually being sent by you to call them to know you as their Lord and Saviour. May you bring people into our lives to grow our trust. May you help us to enter into the lives of others to build their trust. And in so doing, build our own trust as well. We thank you that you didn't call us to follow faith alone, but to be in deep relationship with you and your people. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.